I always forget the name of the podcast. Because it's, it's a very plain name. <laughs> it works. But it, it works. It fits. So yeah. we're going to roll it. Uh, it's the song and podcast. So we have a theme today. And we just watched a uh, two-hour um, BBC uh, documentary about how to win Eurovision. And it goes on the uh, fact that the UK doesn't care about Eurovision that much now. Well, or just that they're not very good at winning. There's a lot of... Uh parody and entertainment value distilled into this documentary to make it more lighthearted but essentially the theme was in the last 20 years the UK has not had a good run at Eurovision and has had some cringeworthy stuff come. But before we get to the meat of it um, we have well I I have three things you should know about Uh... (laughs) the um, headlines for this past two weeks of Eurovision news. The first thing is um, Austria has chosen its song and artist internally selected by the broadcaster ORF. Uh, Vincent Bruno has um, is representing um, Austria with the song, um, but we haven't heard it yet, but he has uh, dropped some hints about the song. With the hashtags on his uh, Twitter account. Two hashtags are um, hashtag beyond the wall and hashtag hidden hero. Does that give you any indication about what the song is or what is it pop, a, a uh, ballads or what? Uh, <laughs> well, usually if it has a theme like you can be a hero or... Um, like everyday people working hard can make a difference. Um, usually that means it's a ballad of some kind or an, um, like a solo person singing. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what it actually is. It's interesting that they have hashtags. I don't feel like those really catch on unless people understand what it is they're sharing. Yeah. So <laughs> until we hear the song, I'm not sure if it'll really take off. Um Unless these are leveraging other hashtags that maybe were pre-existing. Who knows? Who knows? The second thing you should know is that the French song, Bim Bop that w- that was in um, Junior Revision this year, has gone viral in France. Um, but not the song, just the, uh, like, 10, uh, 15 seconds of song, the chorus, uh, it's being called the beam, the, uh, beam, bap, boom challenge. And it has become popular with, uh, French TikTokers. Is it, is that the word TikTokers? I mean, makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Because what else, what else would it be? I, is it? But is it a verb? Is it now TikToking? Uh, I don't know about tick 
talks. It's I'm, we're we're too yeah we're too <laughs> old for uh, TikToks. Those uh, t- damn TikTokers. So um, is it just they're singing the chorus, or yeah, are they doing they're, the dance, or they're uh, miming the chorus? Oh, interesting. Yeah, YouTuber um, Fitz Cats was the first one to do it. She was waiting for her uh, plane to take off, so she rode down the aisle and uh, just did the song, and or mimed the song. So. I'm glad somebody's having fun on a plane. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the uh, official um, French Fortnite account has um, jumped on the bandwagon. So it's good that um, uh, Fortnite has um, acknowledged it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you did. it did seem like this is one of the catchier ones. So it's not too surprising that it, it's caught the... Like pop culture, like guys, I don't know. Um, yeah. But it is it's it's cool that it's getting out there. And the third thing you should know that uh, the first wave of uh, tickets for this year's uh, Eurovision Song Contest has been released, and now we have the price the uh, prices, and it's sold out in an hour. Wow! But don't worry if you if you didn't get the uh, memo, you have uh, two more chances to get tickets. Two two more waves are coming in the late January and mid March. So, for the semifinals, there are about four three um, tiers you can go into. And there's the jury final, the family show, which is the show that uh, it's basically the dress rehearsal before the live show. So it's it goes on like in the afternoon before um, nighttime. So the show and the live show for the semifinals, I left out the uh, places for your prep. But what prices do you think for the jury, family, and the live show? One million (laughs) dollars. God, no. 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 Uh, I don't know. Five hundred dollars. Well, think about it in euros. I don't convert well. Okay, euros. They are slightly more than us. So 350 euros. Actually, for the family show, if you want standing room, which is close to the stage, it's 58.50 for the standing room for the family show. So is that five thousand eight hundred fifty or fifty eight euros and, 50 and point fifty eight point five euros? Yeah. Yep. Okay, that's much more affordable than I thought it'd be. Uh, for the live show, you can't get the standing um seats or like close to the uh, stage. It 
because those are reserved for the fan sites or the official fan club of the Year Vision. Uh, but there are two tiers of um, seating. And for the live show of the semifinals, you can get for 158 euros, you can get the tier one seating. So what is tier one seating? I don't know. I haven't looked at a, um, a uh, seat chart. chart so. so it just refers to specific sections. Yeah. And what would assume if it's tier one, that is one of the best? Yeah. Okay. I think it's close to the stage. Um, second tier is that uh, 118 euros can get you the second tier. And 68 euros for the live show can get you a seat with a limited view. So the ones like off to the side where you might not be able to see the whole stage, basically. Yeah. Or like nosebleeds. Ah, yeah. yeah. So you get in the room, but you might not see everything. Yeah. Uh, for now, for the grand final, what guess how much for either the jury family or live show? <laughs> I'll keep my same guess because they really haven't met that yet. Yeah. If you want to go to the family show and you want to go close to the stage, it's going to cost you... 98 uh, euros. For the semifinal, it was 58. For the grand final, it's 98. For the live show, tier one, 248 euros, which is 100 more euros than the semifinal. For tier two, 100 and 98 euros. But the limited seating or the limited view is cheap. It's 88 um, euros. Yeah, I guess they still can't charge too much if you're sitting behind a pillar or whatever. Yeah. Um, I say it's cheap, but I don't know the, the uh, rate that dollars convert to uh, euros so you... more than that in US dollars basically yeah um, do you want to uh, look it up I'm gonna Google um, so it's what 88 yeah oh that's just under a hundred bucks that's 97 dollars and 86 cents yeah they're about one dollar equals 90.9 euros and like a basic concert here is like almost a hundred dollars for like nosebleeds. Yeah, it can be depending on it. Like if it's one of the big venues. Yeah. Um. So actually, it's pretty affordable comparatively. I mean, if you get all the way to Europe. True fact. So you do have to travel there. And and lodging and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Might be expensive for you, but if you're in Europe. Or in uh, the Netherlands, then you are golden if you just get the uh, limited view. Um, but I, who knows 
I I don't know how many of the limited view seating was on the first wave, but it's all it's all sold out. So, so they'll have to wait until the next one at the end of January. Yep. Now we're gonna go to our theme of the fall of the UK in Eurovision. Some facts. The uh, UK has won five times, and at least once per decade, they they have won since the 60s until the 21st century. They have the honor of being runner-up 15 times. 15 times. So they got super close. Yeah. So close. So close. Most notably that they lost to Celine Dion by one point. It's tough to beat Celine Dion. You saw what she was wearing, so. <laughs> yeah, that was a theory that they put forth. That the reason she didn't win by more was because she was wearing a very awkward outfit. Or it was sort of like a long coat and then a big fluffy skirt, short skirt. Yeah, like a tutu or something. The UK has only finished outside the top 10 three times in the 20th century. Some uh, notable singers, Cliff Richard, um, Michael Ball, Brotherhood of Man, which also is the current owner of the highest selling Eurovision winner um, single ever at 6 million copies sold. And, uh, Katrina and the Waves, and if you don't know um, Katrina and the Waves, then you don't know Walking on Sunshine. Well, they probably know Walking on Sunshine. They just don't know it was by Katrina and the Waves. Yeah. Well, now you know. (laughs) Then um, uh, Katrina and the Waves were the last win of, of the UK in the modern era. So... Um, they are a member of the Big Five, which means they don't have to go through the semifinals to get to the final. They are automatically in the final because they pay a lot. They're like the Big Five finance, financial contributor of the Eurovision Song Contest. So as one of the big sponsors, they get to laugh their way to the finals, basically. They uh, spent about 173 pounds, um, which is $230,000 on the contest every year. But with uh, the the, uh, staging and stuff, it's it's not a lot, because to put on Eurovision costs like Twenty six billion dollars. So is that just for the production, or does it account for any construction or whatever they have to do to host? No. Um, so it's just like getting the stage ready, and yeah, I think so. Interesting. Yeah. What? Since two thousand, they have gone last place five times, top five twice in two thousand and. Nine and two thousand two, and in two thousand three, they got 
no points. So that's they got last place in the jury and in the public. Two thousand three, it was only the public voting. Oh, so, they were not well liked. No, <laughs> but some of theories were that in two thousand three that um the UK invaded uh, Iraq. So. So this was a consequence of them basically going to war. I think so. That's it's a theory, but who knows? It was also a bad song sung out of tune, so <laughs> that can't help. Yeah. Why do you think that the UK has fallen so bad? Um don't know. I mean, it could be they've just gotten out of sync with what is popular on a larger level than their own nation. I have noticed that um, they have previously sent like popular like singers um, who like have national and international acclaim to Eurovision, and they have not done that in the recent future, except for a few ones that scored very poorly. Um, so I don't know. I it, it's interesting. It could be, I guess, a reflection on maybe people don't like the UK very much on a larger scale, or it could just be that maybe they haven't quite figured out how to adjust so that they send acts that resonate with the rest of the like EU and the Eurovision countries. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but it's the BBC. They have like all the money in the world in the world and. They still get now. They get bomb five instead of top five. So I guess that means that money can't buy you everything. I guess. Um, do you think that the language rule has hurt um, the UK or Ireland? So remind me, what is the current language rule? You can sing in any language you want, even imaginary. Okay, but we know that historically, like something about over forty percent of the winners have been in English. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I, it could help them. It could hurt them because essentially English is their native language. Um, so presumably if they're speaking the language that is most popular or ge- generally has the most wins, you'd think it would give them an advantage. Um, well, the UK has come second 15 times all, all those years. It was there was a uh, language um, rule that said that you have to sing in your own language, and then they got rid of that rule in two thousand or um no in nineteen ninety nine, and they have fallen ever since. So basically, now that other countries can speak English when they're singing, maybe there's more competition. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. Before we get to the next question, we have this. Camp. Crazy. Cheese. <laughs> oh, definitely. That's Cheese. Bonkers. Fabulous. Fun. Is freak show one word or two words? If you've ever been on an all-inclusive holiday, when the staff get up and do a show at the end, it's like that, but with slightly more expensive outfits. So... I know it's it was a comedy um, documentary, but 
that's how most of the UK use Eurovision. So has Eurovision become a joke in the last 20 years? Well, so I think there is a perception kind of everywhere that UK isn't really, or uh, that Eurovision isn't necessarily a serious contest um, or, or that it's sort of a joke. Um, you've seen that even reflected in the way that certain artists like Celine Dion don't really acknowledge that they were a part of Eurovision. Um, I mean, it, it sort of embodies, it knows what it is. I feel like it always has a tongue in cheek approach to the way that they produce Eurovision um, because they want it to be fun. Um, but yes, I, I would say that certain certain countries or possibly just certain people perceive Eurovision as not a serious thing or kind of a joke or embarrassing. Yeah. It, if you take um, Sweden, for example, they have a um, five-week selection process that um, that captures the um, mood of the nation. It's like their soup, their uh, Super Bowl. Ninety percent of the viewership in uh, Sweden watches that that uh, lex- the uh, selection process, but in the UK, I'm I'm sure they. I haven't looked at the uh, records, um, you viewing records, but I'm sure that they don't get like more than. If ten percent, do you think that's a case of sort of sour grapes? Because I feel like Sweden is also like a a generally big contender. They yeah, they now, do well, yeah. yeah. Um, and so could it be like, well, if my team isn't going to win, I'm just going to exit the stadium. In sports, that makes sense. Um, for music competitions, I I I don't know. <laughs> Well, I mean, it is, it's similar in that it is a competitive thing where you have your home team. So I, I wonder if maybe that's part of the case is they, they say it's not serious because it hurts too much if, if they take it seriously and they don't win. Yeah. You know, the BBC has had um, well-known writers and producers write their songs. They um, had Andrew Lloyd Webber of Cats fame um, write their song. And he said he uh, just wrote it in two hours, and they placed fifth with the uh, juries and the uh, um, public. So then they uh, got the um, next year. They got Peter Waterman of "You Spin Me Right Round" um, fame. If you don't know that song, look it up. Um, was popper in the eighties. But he came dead last. But that song was something he just came up with like in five minutes, I guess, I think. I don't know if you could argue that those are the same. I don't want to say quality, but sort of like basically of songwriters. Because Andrew Lloyd Webber is fairly adept at creating like sort of timeless songs that people like stick with people. Yeah. Um, But I don't know of anything else that Peter Waterman has written. But if you look at the lyrics of the uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber song, it repeats my time. It's my time. 
it's my time. My time. My time. Again, again, again. It's my time. Well, he did only spend a couple of hours on it. I, I don't know. I guess it also depends on how it's performed because the melody does make a huge difference also. Yeah. Um, after they came dead last, the uh, BBC went to old artists. They got Blue, um, which was a boy band in 2000, and they broke up in 2005. Um, they had some hit singles around uh, Europe. If you if you're American and you haven't heard about them, don't worry. I haven't heard about them when they came out with their song. They had one single that I remember hearing on the radio, yeah. but I can't remember what that song is. Yeah. <laughs> Blue placed 11th, which the uh, BBC counts as a uh, failure. But if you look at the split results... The public had them in fifth place. the The uh, jury, I don't know what happened the uh, in the the uh, jury show, or if they don't like blue, or the um they had them in like fifteenth place. So it averages out to eleventh place. Yeah, I have a lot of feelings about this because I don't feel like it's actually a failure. Everyone who talks about this says that it was a good performance that they hit this kind of spectacular high note, that like the choreography was really good. Um, it just didn't do that well in the scores. And so I am, I'm sort of wondering if maybe the jury, maybe there was a bias against them or some other thing, because they seem to come out pretty well in the public. Yeah. Then they got the legend, Engelbert Humperdinck, which he sold millions of, of um, songs um aside from that i don't know much about engelbert humbert tank except that he has a really fun name yes but he aside from his uh, fame he got 25th out of 26 so almost dead last yikes but he went on first well and it's it's possible that did affect his scoring because when you start out, he, he had a ballad, yeah. essentially. It was a really slow song. And when you're starting off a slew of sort of fast-paced pop songs with a ballad, it makes them stick out in not a great way. Yeah. And that that was the year where you just, to get your placing in the running order, you had to draw a um, ball out of a hat. So. So random chance. Yeah. Ah. So he wasn't lucky in that as- aspect. So maybe if he went like 10 for third, you know. Um, then they had um, Bonnie Tyler of Total Eclipse of the Heart. And um, aside from sounding way drunk on the night, she came, came in a 19th place. So that was not very high. No. Out of like 26, 27. Yikes. Yeah. So apparently their their most recent tries with sort of uh, people who are popular in the past. Yeah. Like not the recent past. Well, except, well, um, except Blue. Well, it was like 80s and 90s. Yeah. And this was in the 2000s. So yeah. generally at least 10 years in between. Yeah. 
Then they um, went to a all the all those years from uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber in two thousand and nine to two thousand and thirteen with uh, Bonnie Tyler was all internally selected by the BBC. Then he went to a a different course and chose unknown artists and. The results were varied in terms of where they placed in the bomb ten. <laughs> um, so basically, it's been a rough twenty years. Yeah, <laughs> um, the BBC can't get it right. Why don't they get it right? I mean, it's hard to say, especially sort of in isolation, because we're talking about their general overall ranking without taking into account what songs really hit it off in those particular years. Um, but like I said, I can only speculate that maybe they're out of touch with what's popular in the rest of Europe. I'll ask this, this uh, question and I'll play the clip, but why won't current international artists like Ed Sheeran, uh, Sam Smith or um, Dell? Um, think about representing UK. We had to consider quite carefully the move to do the Eurovision Song Contest because we were aware of the obvious connotations of it being the kiss of death for an artist's career. And then the other comment we got from people was, you better win. Yeah, so the kiss of death is that's putting it lightly for a current artist that was Katrina in the waves and um she was popular in the 80s and she represented the UK in 1997 so but she had to uh think about it I guess well I I think that's legit because image is always a huge thing for performing artists um particularly when you're like you know, top twenties type uh, musicians, because you build you you build a certain image around yourself that people sort people buy into, and so some might think that Eurovision isn't like it doesn't align with the image that they've built up, the public image. While others would be like, "Well, shit, if I lost, like, <laughs> yeah, um, that'd be like a huge blow." Yeah, um, I'm taking again Sweden for example. They loved the contest. Um, some big names try to, try to enter Eurovision. Sometimes they make it. Sometimes they don't. Um, I heard it was a couple of years ago. Denmark in Europe has always has like big European um, artists. Um, they don't make their way to um, America, but. They have some success, and it's always the question of why won't they, if they have its success, why won't they represent uh, Denmark? And um, it was, I I can't remember if it was a theory or if it was something some artist said, but they don't want to lose to an amateur artist with no following, nothing. They don't want to lose to just amateurs. I mean, I guess I could get that. 
But it's also like, I don't know. I would like to see some more mainstream people compete just because I think it probably would help keep them on their toes a little bit. Um, and it'd be interesting to see how they compare. Although I am, I'm already a sort of a big competition reality TV yeah. uh, fanatic. So I, I also just like the idea of seeing um, like amateurs throw their hat in the ring to certain types of craft. Yeah. Um, I mean, Russia, the Baltics, and um, the Eastern Europeans have sent their most famous artists. Some of their most famous artists, like in 2003, um, Russia sent um, Tattoo in their prime. Mm-hmm. And that was like the biggest thing in Eurovision. And it hasn't been done since. Well, they didn't do very well. They got third. Okay. I mean, that's not bad. Like, if you're comparing different countries' best artists that they put forward. Some uh, artists from um, the UK have been uh, rumored to write write or perform a song for Eurovision. Hertz in 2012, um, Scissor Sisters, and um, a Spice Girls reunion has been rumored. Yes, make this happen. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like they just have the right level of performance and camp that they'd fit right in in Eurovision. I want it to happen. You just want Scary Spice to go off if she, they lose. I mean, I just want I want all of it. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, do you think the uh, BBC can do better this um, this upcoming year i mean i don't know much about who they're putting forward or even who's in the contending to be sent there so it's it's hard to see based on reality but it it seems to me based because we've watched several several documentaries produced in the the uk that analyze what people like about eurovision and things and they still like the documentary we watched today i think was in 2013 and they really haven't done much better since. And maybe nobody's taking notes when they're watching a comedy documentary. But I was like, I mean, if you thought about it this much and you're not doing better, maybe it's maybe that's just how it is. I don't know. I mean, there's always hope. There's always hope that maybe they'll send somebody in that sort of kills it and performs really well with other countries. Um, but I think it a lot of their offerings recently have also been super inconsistent in that like totally different genres, um, different kinds of acts. And so I wonder if they're just throwing anything at the wall to see what sticks. Um, but when you're just sort of picking at random or just it, it feels a little bit like maybe they might not get a hit just because they're not being very uh, deliberate about it. Yeah. Um, in the past two years, they had a um, national selection, and every time they they have a um, du- like three judge um, three judges. From what I remember from the shows, that the judges are have some sort of fame. Um, um, Katrina was there. Um, some I think it was a Spice Girl or some someone that that name escapes me, and they 
Eurovision super fan. And they always say that, oh, that's that's going to win Eurovision. That's, that song is going to win Eurovision. That performance is good. It's going to win Eurovision. And it, I can see the uh, two judges from uh, um, Katrina and um, the uh, No Name that saying that. But the Eurovision super fan who has been following Eurovision enough to call himself a super fan says that's a Eurovision winning performance. That's a Eurovision winning song. And they've been getting in the past two years dead last. And um, yeah, they got dead last this year and um, bomb five the year before. Well, and it, I mean, this is sort of speculative on my part, but the fact of the matter is the way that we distribute music and the types of music that people can listen to now are totally different than they have been in the last decade. And so it's possible that that's also affecting maybe people who've been, if even if they're analyzing it um, and trying to find things that they think are in line, it could totally blow things away, like or change the field um, from year to year. Um, so maybe that's also contributing to not being able to like build a formula for the best winning Eurovision song. Do you think that we would have a international current artist? ever represent the UK in the next 20 years? I mean, maybe later on. <laughs> I just think it, they've sort of built up this reputation as not doing particularly well. Um, that I, I think most people would probably hesitate to represent them at this point just because they, they haven't been very successful. And I can artists bring their own music or would they have to work with a songwriter uh, or somebody different or could they sort of write their own song? They can write their own song. It depends on the BBC if they allow it or not. Okay. So, I mean, it is possible that maybe if they got to bring their own music. Um, but even then, sometimes that's like a hit or miss on whether or not it would actually work for Eurovision. Yeah. Um, if you look at the times or the lengths of the current international uh, artists from the UK, their songs are more than three minutes. And in Eurovision, your your song has to be three minutes. Uh, So they'd either have to cut one down or create a new one. Yeah. Every time a current um, artist has a three-minute or less song, I always think it's the perfect Eurovision song. Why don't they <laughs> enter that in Eurovision? Or did the BBC say no? We're gonna go a different route, and they they release it. It came a international hit, and the BBC is just just laying on their asses, doing nothing except pick, picking out no names that will get them like fifteenth place at most. Harsh. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just been a rough couple of decades for them. So i I think they'll probably have to pull out some wins before popular artists will want to represent the UK. 
Um, because, yeah, it seems like maybe they just don't have the infrastructure to manufacture a hit at this point. Yeah. Um, I would say, do you think that the UK would win again? But bigger question is, do you think that the UK would hit the top 10 in next five years? It's possible. I mean, they have had a few sort of top 10 hits in the past decade, but there's only just been like one or two. Yeah, two. So it's entirely possible that they'll get there because um, they have. They have in the past couple of decades. It's just sort of far and in between. Yeah, it all, again, it all depends on the BBC and how they approach this year and upcoming years. Because um, they choose the songs that they bring out to the public to vote on. Um, or do you think that the public are to blame on the songs that they cho- choose? So how does it work? Does basi- Do basically people nominate songs and the BBC chooses from them, or does the BBC just select artists? In the past five years, it's been the uh, BBC just chooses the artists and their songs. Sometimes they go to the public and um, say, bring us your best um, best song and um, we will pick like the top five that we think are good and then we'll associate artists with it. So maybe they need to bring some more diversity into the people that are selecting the final songs. Yeah. Um, some like new voices or something. Because yeah. it's clear that if they're selecting from a pool either that people submit or that they just think are good and they're not bringing very successful choices forward, maybe they need some different opinions. I, I say that the um, also the public are to blame for their role woes because you know my second favorite song flying the flag for you that that was chosen by the public and then they blame the bbc for sending that song well i mean it was a it's a campy song yeah for those who aren't familiar do you know the artist scoots scooch scooch um I mean, the public voted for it, so they're, like, everyone's to blame. But also, the public in other countries said, nah. (laughs) So. True. Public versus the public. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I'm hoping that the uh, UK has, for one, has a decent result. um, Like, 15 for, like, 11 for uh, 12th place. Um in this year's or this upcoming year, um, year vision. Um, and in the next 10, 5, or 20 years, I hope that they at least get two, three um, top fives or top 10. That'd be nice. Just 
boot him up a little bit. Yeah, I, you know, yeah, um, hopefully the UK gets their act together and sends good songs to a place mid-table. <laughs> we believe in you, UK. You can be mediocre. <laughs> That's all they want. Um, because it's always... When I went to Eurovision for the... Um, for the 2018 um, contest in uh, Lisbon, Portugal. Um, every time I spoke with a uh, English person, it was always like, "It's a game of where are we, where are we going to place on the left? No, the right side of the scoreboard." And if you see the scoreboard, the left side is the good places. The right side is like bomb ten five. That's kind of rough. People are traveling to another country to view it, and they're like, "Just let us pay place towards the top of the bottom." Yeah. So I feel for the UK. I also feel for um, Germany. They have only two wins, and they parts. Um, Taken part in nineteen nineteen, and since the uh, beginning of the contest, they never missed a a year, but they only have one or two wins. That's rough. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, hopefully, they they could win again. Um, the Netherlands had almost um, the same luck as the UK. Placing in the bottom five, ten for the past tech decade, um, and they had to uh, go through the pain of not making it to the finals um, for six years. Um, but they won last year, and that was their highest placing since, and their yeah their highest placing since their last win in 1979 so who knows maybe the UK can pull a um a uh, Netherlands one can only hope yeah so now I have for you some uh Eurovision trivia oh dear god (laughs) since the Eurovision Song Contest are is in their sixty fifth year. How many songs have been about cities or states in the U.S. U.S. U- cities? And st- yeah. Do I get a multiple choice, or do I just have to guess? Um, guess and I will make a uh, multiple choice right now. <laughs> I feel like six is optimistic, but who knows? Okay. Do you want your choices? Yes. Please give me my choices. Okay. We have uh, 20, 10, 5, 3. Let's go with five. Close, but no uh, dice. There 
is in the 65 years of Eurovision, only three songs have been about cities or states in the U.S. Seems normal. <laughs> okay. Do you happen to know which cities those were? I was about to ask you that. No. Okay. Um, okay. What, what kind of cities would people want to sing about in Europe? Or states. Or states. Uh, okay. I will make it easier. There's one state and two cities. Sort of easier. Okay, one state. What, what state would be iconic in other places? North Dakota. <laughs> no. I know. <laughs> North Dakota is one of those notorious ones where I was like, I know they do like fracking there. But what else is in North Dakota? Sorry, North Dakota. I don't know much about you. Um, so I feel like it'd probably be something like California or Texas. Um because I feel like those tend to have songs written about them. Uh, as far as cities, New York, I feel like, or... So that's one guess. That is correct, or just that I'm guessing? You're just guessing. Okay, I'll guess New York. <laughs> this is the worst. Oh, God, what would be famous? Austin, Texas. I'll go with Texas twice, and then I'll guess California is the state. Wrong on all three. I kind of figured. Yeah. The state is Colorado. What was the song about? Colorado. It was just like somebody was like, you know what? You know Uh, what place I like? There's a song. It's Colorado. Yeah, um, it's called Colorado. Um, the chorus is O-O-O Colorado, O-O-O Colorado. I need more context than this. What are they singing about? Um, just how beautiful, um, Colorado is. I mean, it it is a ridiculously beautiful state. Yeah. So I, I get it. I get it. What country sang, sang this? The Netherlands. Oh. They've caught, got, um, I think was... They got 13th place about singing Colorado. I kind of want to know the history now. I was like, which person in their band or which songwriter went to Colorado? and was like, you know what? This place is fucking great. I'm going to write a song. Okay. Um, and then, and then um, the two cities are San Francisco. All right. I can see it. And Las Vegas. Oh, yeah, I guess. Both very popular U.S. cities. The San Francisco song was sung in 1997. And he came from five. So it was not very popular. Yeah. And in 2005, Las Vegas was sung by... Sweden, and they came top ten. So not bad. Yeah. Okay. He brought. He got me the Colorado lyrics. 
There's a lot of oh woes in this. I, I told you. <laughs> There's a place where I can be free. Where the sun shines over the rainbow. That's the only place I want to be. Yeah. They really like Colorado. Oh, whoa. Colorado. Take me away to Colorado. Oh, <laughs> oh. Colorado. Leaving today for Colorado. Oh, Colorado. That was the uh, chorus. So, I will put that song and all the songs I was talking about in the description of the podcast so you can you can see see it for yourself and enjoy it because it's amazing add those documentaries too yeah also i will include my favorite or second favorite eurovision um uk song scooch flying a flag for you scooch that's what we should call our podcast Flying our flag for you? Yeah. Well, sort of too late. Well, yeah. Well, if we ever do a rebrand, we'll think about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we will come back to you um, either in two weeks or in in the new year in twenty twenty when we have at least one song selected for uh, Eurovision because Albania always has their um selection in on new around new year so we will get a song by then all right so and um either we will th- see you in two three weeks but in the new year for sure so we will talk to you later bye, bye. bye.